Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Morning, morning. How's everybody doing today? Good, happy Sunday to everybody. Uh, my name is Samuel, and man, it's just great to see you guys this morning. Turn to the person uh, next to you and tell them, you look good this morning. All right, turn to the other person on your other side and tell that other person, you look like you need some church. Come on. Hey, don't get mad at me. I didn't tell you who to look, which way to look at what. That was, you, you did that. Hey, it is so good to see you guys this morning. We have been going through a series as a church just called Made Known where we're looking at the book of Ephesians. And Ephesians is, uh, it's in the New Testament of your Bible, and it's just a, a, an amazing book, different than many of the other books of your Bible. You know, the Bible itself was authored by God, but written by man, uh, written by some 40 authors, 40-ish authors, over 1,500 year span of time as God inspired them, they wrote. Ephesians is one of the books that was written. It was written by a man named Paul to a new group, to a church in Ephesians. So, so he's like, hey, Ephesus, he's like, this is, this, is, this is for you, and this is the book of Ephesians, and he's explaining what it means to be a Christian. He's explaining it to a group of believers, and the group of believers is called the church. It's, it's called the church. So he's like, look, this is what it's going to be like. It's the only letter where he's not really correcting a problem in a specific church, but he's laying the foundation. He's making it known. What is it that we're supposed to be? How is it that we're supposed to live as Christians, what is it supposed to look like? What is the mechanism that God has instituted for us as believers to grow in our faith, make sure that we're producing fruit, changing lives, make a difference in this world, not just waiting to die or for Jesus to come back? It's all found in Ephesians. If you have your Bibles, we're in Ephesians chapter four, and we've made it to the fourth verse today. So we're gonna start right there and we're gonna jump in. And it says this, For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. He's like, look, and and we talked quite a bit about this last week, that we're called to the same spirit, that you and I are going to look different, that we're not clones. We're not called to be the, the same, but we worship the same God. So we're going to have some differences. We're going to have some, some differences in, a, in, in some opinions. There's things that we hold with an open hand. There's things we hold with a closed hand. We've talked about that in some, some weeks past. We're not going to all be the exact same. We might make some different vocation, vocational callings. We're like, you know, this is just a little, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Um, we're, we're going to live a little bit differently than everybody else in church because we're not clones, but it's one spirit. We're serving the same God. Verse seven says this, however, he's given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Who likes gifts? Raise your hand. I don't know why you did not raise your hand. I love gifts. Like gifts are just the best. Like and, and honestly, UPS shows up and it's like, ooh, what is it? Like, it's, it, it's Christmas. You open that thing up and most of the time it's stuff for church. It's like, uh, labels, ooh, cups, ah, you know what I mean? But, 
But still, I like opening the boxes. I, I do, especially if my name's on it and somebody, I'm like, my name was on it. Like, don't open it. Like, like I like opening that. Like, please, I, I, I want to open that. Well, there's a gift. There's a gift, and that's what he's talking. He says, however, there's a gift that he's given each of you. So what is this gift? Well, New King James talks and kind of brings just a little bit of clarity to verse 7, and it says this, but each, of, uh, each one of us, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. That grace, salvation, it is a gift. It's something that we don't earn. That's grace. We talked a bit about that again last week and grace and favor and how those work together and, and walking in God's purpose and plan for our life. And that's where God's blessing is. It's there. It's not when we do our own thing and say, God bless it. That, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. And he goes on in verse 8. It says this, that is why scripture says when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. So I want to just kind of unpack that because as we're going through this, it's, it's just one of those like, well, what does that mean? He ascended, he descended, he led captives. Like, do we, do we just kind of like skip over that? Like what? Maybe I'll figure that out in heaven. Um, that's one that we actually kind of do know what he's talking about in the fact that, remember this, Jesus changed everything when he came. Like, everything changed with Jesus. It's Jesus changed it all. Because when he died on the cross, he did it all. It's not what Jesus did plus church attendance. It's not what Jesus did plus you tithe. It's not that. It's not what Jesus did, plus you go on a missions trip and you go, no, 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 no. It's, it's none of those things. It's what Jesus did. So what it says here, that he led the captives, what we believe that it's specifically talking about is the fact that before Jesus died on the cross, Jesus says this, he's, he's come from the Father and no one has seen the Father except the Son. Because no one had ever gone to be with Jesus, excuse me, to be with God because Jesus hadn't paid the price yet. So when you read the Old Testament and we read through the sacrifices and the things that they did, it covered sin, but it did not remove guilt. So what happened to all of those people who died before Jesus came? What were they doing? If, if they're not in heaven, because Jesus said no one has seen the Father. So where were they? Well, we, we kind of know where they were because Luke says this, Luke 16, 22. Jesus is talking and he talks about a beggar. And he says this, it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Abraham's bosom is the place, other translations will literally say, the place of the righteous dead. Before Jesus came, there were people who said, I did, I, I, I believe, I don't know what is going to happen, but I'm going to trust in God's laws and I'm going to follow. And yet we've, we've, we've done this, but Jesus had not come. So they could not go to heaven. So where did they go? They went to the place of the righteous dead. Other translations say to Abraham's side. They were with Abraham. Jesus kind of, as he continues this story, talks about it and says that they're literally with Abraham, waiting for Jesus 
to come and to pay the price. So when Jesus died and he paid the price, he says that he ascended, but he also, what does that mean? But that he also descended and he led the captives. The captives were those who were waiting for Jesus to come and die. So Jesus died. Everybody who had believed that he was coming, everyone who had looked to the scriptures and said, okay, we're going to follow. They had died. The righteous dead were waiting for Jesus. And so when he died, he descended to the place, to Abraham's side. It says that he preached. Jesus preached. I don't know exactly what the message was, but I'm betting it was good. But he said, hey, I've done it. I am what you were waiting for. I am the fulfillment of the law. The law pointed to me. I don't know exactly what he was saying, but he said it. And then when he ascended to heaven, he led the captives with him. Those who were waiting were then able to go to heaven with him. That's why it says in your New Testament that not only was Jesus raised from the dead and seen throughout Jerusalem, but many other righteous dead were also raised with Jesus. Because they were on their way to heaven with him, and they just made a little pit stop, and he's like, this is not going to be long. And then they, they took off, and they went all the way up. So when it talks, that's what it means here, that he led the captives with him. Now, verse 10, let's keep going. It says, and the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Now, just a reminder, what is the church? We've we've talked about this, so let's just jump on this real quick. What is the church? The church is not a building. The church is a gathering of people. A church is a gathering of people. Acts 14, 27, it talks about the disciples show up, and they're like, hey, gather the church together. So they didn't go like, all right, rope each building and pull them all to one place. They gathered the church together. It's the body. Romans 16, verse 5. He's talking about greeting everybody. He says, also, give my greetings to the church that meets in a home. Well, can church do that? Yeah, for a while. That's how Life West started. We, we started with a small group and in a home, and we quickly grew out of a ho- our home, and then we had the kids at one house and us at another house. Then we went to a bigger house, and then we were breaking everything in that house, and it works for a while in a house until the house isn't big enough. He's like... Because a church is a building. So remember this. A church is not a building. It is not a building. It's a gathering of people. And we use buildings, but that's not what the church is. So he says this. These are gifts that Christ gave to the church. So Christ gave you, because you are, I am the church. He says, I gave gifts. Now, here they are. Ready? It's the apostle the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Okay, so we're going to dive just a little bit deep into this right here. Now, these are considered, and if you've been around church, you may have heard some of this lingo, but these are considered the five-fold ministry gifts, okay? It says that Christ gave these to the church. So these are a gift to the body of Christ. Now, this is not spiritual gifts, These are not spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says this. A spiritual gift has been given each of us so we can help each other. 
So there's a group of gifts that God has given the church, and they have a purpose, and we're going to get into that. But that is completely separate from spiritual gifts, as it talks about in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, it says, a spiritual gift is given each of us. Everybody say us. Okay, that's you. You are the us. Each. Each means every. This, this is all of us. A spiritual gift has been given each of us. Verse 8, it kind of continues. I'll just kind of read this part here in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. To one person, the Spirit gives. So this is a different group of gifts. There's the gifts that Christ gave the church, and then there's, a group that the, there's the gifts that the Spirit gives. It says here, to one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise counsel. To another, by the same Spirit, gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith. To another and to someone else, the same Spirit gives the gift of healing, verse 10. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, another to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether the message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to, to interpret what is being said. It is the one and the same Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. And he alone decides which gift each person should have. So there's, there's the gifts, Christ gifts to the church, and there's spiritual gifts. The Spirit gives, the Spirit gifts, and they are different. There's, there's some slight overlap in them, but they are not the same. And one of the things that we do through Growth Track, you hear us talk about it all the time, is because it says here in 1 Corinthians, a spiritual gift is given each of us so that we can help each other. Know this, you have a spiritual gift. That's one of the things we do in growth track is we're like, hey, take a spiritual gifts test. Look through, you're like, a test? Those are, those are bad. Okay, it's just, it's, it's just a check. It's like, hey, let's have you run through here. Let's pray about it. Let's look at in the natural what are some things that would, have, that would lean you towards a specific spiritual gift? That because you have it, you, are, you, you see things a little bit different. Every single one of you have one, and that's why we push, hey, go to growth track, because everybody needs to go through there and know what their spiritual gift is. If you know what your spiritual gift is, then that is something that each of us should then operate in and say, okay, if this is my spiritual gift, what am I doing with it? What am I, am I doing anything with it? Because we're given it for a purpose, he says, so that we can help each other. So we can help each other. Now, let's go back to what we're talking about in Ephesians. But again, that's why we push so hard, we're like, go to growth track. If you have not been, and September's going to kick over all over again, it's during second service. Okay, switch it up a little bit right after the second song, during second service, you take off. And you can go through it. It's a four-week class. going to help you to know just a little bit about Life West and, and what we're about so you can kind of make a decision. Do I really want to make this home and go for it because I'm about to figure out what my gifts are and, and you're going to need to plug into a body, plug into a church so that they can grow as, as iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens another. We want you to know what these are, know what these gifts are and use them and grow in them. So you're making a difference. And can I just say, it is so much fun when you know what your gifts are and you're like, I get to do what I'm made to do. It's like, come on, we get to do it, absolutely. But these five gifts, so there's a difference in these gifts. Is there a difference in these gifts? Yeah, there's the gifts that Christ gave the church, and then there's the spiritual gifts that each and every one of us has. So now we're going to go back to this. It says, these are the gifts given to the church. 
And I was actually, I was talking, my, my dad was over um, last week, and we were talking about, his, he always asks, like, what are, you, what are you preaching on? And every time he asks, I'm like, it's like a test or something. Because <laughs> I'm like, all right, all right, what's it, what's it going to be? And I'm like, I'm oh, going through Ephesians. He's like, oh, it's such a great book. I'm like, yep, yep, we're loving. He's like, what, are you, what, what part are you at? And I told him where we're at. And he's like, oh, the, the, five, the five gifts. And I'm like, yep, yep, those. And he's like, now, I'm sure you're going to, and this is how he, this is how he does it. He's like, I'm sure you're going to talk about how, how the pinky, the teacher. So, that, so I stole this from him. So sure enough, I am talking about it. But he said this, he goes, I'm sure you're going to tell them how the teacher is like the pinky that the teacher is the only one of your fingers that fits in your ear. He goes, and that is the teaching gift. That, that is the teacher. And an example of that would, of course, be um, Apollos in the Bible. It says this in Acts 18 about Apollos. It says, meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived. He was... A teacher. And he says, and then I'm sure you're going to tell them about, about, about the ring finger. And the ring finger represents the pastor. Because the pastor is the one that's going to love you. Is the one that's going to care for you. The pastor is the one that wants to see you fed. The pastor is the one that wants to see you growing. The pastor is the one that's going to want to see you know what your gifts are and using them in the kingdom of God. And an example of that, of course, would be Timothy. You can read First or Second Timothy in your New Testament. It's going to talk about the pastor. He said, and I'm sure you're going to tell them about the longest finger that you have on your hand, that that, that that finger represents the evangelist, and the evangelist has the longest reach, and the evangelist is there, and, and the evangelist is, is really the bringer of good news, and that there's no better good news than the, what Jesus did, that you don't have to try to fix your own problems that you can just ask for forgiveness and be forgiven. He says, there's no better news. He says, that is the evangelist. Philip in Acts 8 is an example of an evangelist. And he says, and of course, the pointer finger, you're going to tell him about the pointer finger, and that the pointer finger represents the prophet. And the pointer finger represents the prophet as the prophet points, as the prophet speaks revelations that are given by God to his people, giving guidance to individuals and groups and giving revelation. And I want to mention, when it comes to the prophet, um, there is no need to be afraid of the, the gift of a, of a prophet, of the gift of prophecy. Um, I think some people who grew up around church or others who didn't and then kind of like got these horror stories um, have have a picture of a prophet that is somebody who walks up and publicly reads your dirty mail that you would never, ever, ever bring anywhere. And they're like, prophet what? And they go the opposite direction. Um, but that's not what, that's not what the office of a prophet is. First Corinthians says this concerning a prophet. It says this in First Corinthians 14 verse 3. But one who prophesies, what are they supposed to do? What is a prophet? What is the function? If God is the one that's leading them, what is the result going to be? And it says, they are, here, here's what it is, strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. As a little kid, whenever we would have somebody come to church, 
that said they were a prophet, or we would go to some medium death, like, we're going to go to this prophet. I was, I, I was that, like, oh, no. <laughs> like, I need to repent right now for taking that cookie, stealing this, lying about where I put that, whatever it was. I was like, they're going to tell my dad. Like, they're going to tell. I'm going to shake hands, and they're suddenly going to be like, he took it. This is where, I'm like, this is going to point at my dad, and this is what it's going to be. They tell him how fast I was driving. Like, this is all of this. So I wasn't that little. But anyways, but that's not what the gift of a prophet is. It says, but one who prophesies, this is what they're going to do. Again, Jesus changed it all. So yes, you look in the Old Testament and the prophet shows up and there, there's examples where he shows up to a city and everybody's like, oh, why are you here? Um, are, are we in trouble? And, and the entire city's kind of walking on eggshells because a prophet shows up. But Jesus changed it all. He paid it all. And the office of a prophet and how it forms and functions today is someone who prophesies to strengthen others, encourage them, and comforts them. And they are to build the body of Christ. Not tear it down. It's not the gift of tearing down. It's the gift of building. So even a correction is going to be given in a way if it's really being led by the Spirit, that it's going to build you up, that you're going to be built up. An example of the, a, a prophet in the Bible would be Anna in Luke chapter 2, 36. Anna was a prophet. And then, of course, the last one is going to be the apostle. My dad's like, and you're going to tell them about the thumb. And the thumb's the apostle. It's one of the strongest of your fingers, and it works really well with all of the others. That is the apostle. And an apostle is, really just means it's a sent one. It's somebody who is sent, specifically a delegate or a delegate, someone who's been commissioned by another, in this case, commissioned by God. Paul was an apostle. Um, apostles would be someone who's going to be starting churches, um, overseeing churches. Uh, these are the five ministry gifts. I want you to understand something about these and what their function is, because this applies to you. This applies to you. Ephesians 4, verse 12. What are the people, the apostle, the prophet, the teacher? I'm, now I'm trying to say it on the fingers that I'm using, and it's not. So we got, we got the teacher, we got the pastor, we got the evangelist, we got the prophet, and we got the apostle. There we go. So what are they supposed to be doing? Verse 12. Their responsibility is to, this is what they're meant to do, do all of the work so that everybody, nope, that's not what it says, verse 12. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. He says, look, their responsibility is to build the body of Christ, to build up the church, to do the work of the ministry. What it's not meant to be is that the body of Christ would come to church, come together as the church, sit down, hear a message, think that was great, check a box, and walk out. Because you are the church. The evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, the prophet, the apostle, every single one of them. What is it that they're supposed to do? They're supposed to help the body of Christ be and do all that God has for them. 
That sounds like something. Oh, yeah, that's our vision statement. There's, that's what it is. <laughs> and man, that jumps so much out, so, so much at me. This, this, it has been on our heart from the very beginning before we even started. Is I was just praying. I'm like, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And he laid in my heart. He says, I'll tell you what pastors do. He says, I give them vision and they serve people. If you have the mindset that you're like, well, I go to church and, and you're like, and I even tithe. So I give so that they can do the ministry. Now I'm going to leave and I'm going to check out and I'm going to go build my own thing for the next six days. And then maybe I'll go back. Then you've got this wrong. Our job is to equip the body of Christ. That's, again, that's why we push the growth track so much is because everybody's a little bit different. We love to get down in it. That's why we love small groups is because that's where you challenge one another and you see how people are doing. And you're like, what do you mean challenge one another? What is that? I shouldn't do that. <laughs> what is a small group? A small group is really to where you take something you're doing and you leverage it for the kingdom of God. You say, hey, I... I love just drinking coffee, so maybe you meet at a coffee shop, and you sit down together, maybe you pray, you play some games, you get to know some people, and as God leads, you take the next step. Maybe you ask, like, is there something I can pray about? Um, maybe you ask, hey, is, are you needing anything? Is there something I can do? Maybe God speaks to you, and you're like, hey, would you, what, what do you guys think about reading a certain book or, or doing something together? Maybe you sit there, and you're like, you know what? What if... What if as a small group, we decided that we were going to pray in the Spirit for 30 minutes every day, and we'll kind of hold each other accountable, and let's just see what happens. Yeah. You know what the Bible says about praying in tongues is, is it says that when we pray in tongues, it's just the Spirit enabling us to pray, that when we do, our mind does not know what we're saying, but we edify or build up our spirit man. So what would happen? So maybe as a group, you guys just get together and you say, hey, as a group, let's just do this and let's see what happens. If we do this every day and we just basically work out our spirits for the next 30 days, for 30 minutes, and just, just, just see what happens. See if God changes anything. Let's just do it for fun. And you kind of just step into it and do it. See, our job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, when it comes to labels, um, we, we're talking about them, right? Uh, the, past, the, the, the pastor, the prophet, the evangelist. And I mean, let me just kind of say a real, real quick what those are. Um, a label, this is, what is this? This is Coke. It's, it's labeled Coke. But what do you... And because it's labeled Coke, it's probably Coke, unless I got to the can already, right? You're like, I don't know, he may have done something to it already. I'm not really sure. Because a label does not change what's inside it. A label is simply representing what is supposed to be inside it. So some people want a label to make them something, but a label doesn't make you anything. A label is meant to tell people on the outside what is already on the inside. So you never have to wait for a label. 
You never have to wait for a label to suddenly become something. A label is the result of you living out on the outside what you are on the inside. That's what it's meant to be. That's what it's meant to be. So we use labels to help people kind of see what it is, but these, these, these gifts that God has given the church are there, and, and he kind of is like, look, this is how this one is supposed to function, and this is what it's supposed to be. And as a res- what is the result of these people supposed to be? It's supposed to be, very simply, that God's people are equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has called them to be and to do. You know, many people, so many people struggle to find meaning, but we believe with all of our heart. And what do we do is we help people find Jesus. And when they encounter God, they discover their purpose. They discover the meaning of their life, that the creator of the universe, why they are here. So being a Christian is not checking a box. Let me, let me ask you, um, this can thing's going to jump. What, what makes a farmer a farmer? Like, like, am I a farmer if I wear, like, overalls? No. I'm just looking ridiculous if I wear overalls. If you ever saw me in them, you'd be like, that's, that's what that is. Like, I don't, I don't look good in overalls. But anyway, so, like, I, I could be ridiculous, but it wouldn't make me a farmer. Okay. Um, what if I have a degree in agricultural things? doesn't change anything. I could have every bit of knowledge needed about every seed and how to plant and when to plant and what the soil needs and when it needs and how much nitrogen and how much nitrogen and how much this and, and what depth and how deep to get it in here and breaking up the pan and all of that. I, I could get all of that. But does any of that make me a farmer? No. It doesn't. What if I've got a tractor? I, I could like take a picture and look like a farmer. Like, right? I, I could take a picture next to a tractor. Like, does, but does that make me a farmer? Well, no. No, absolutely not. It most definitely does not. Like, a farmer is somebody who is engaged in farming. What they're, they're, they're doing. Like, like, they're growing plants. They're growing, they're growing animals, something for food. Like, they are farming. They're engaged in doing it. And Christians and the church is not just people who show up to a Sunday morning service, but it's people who are engaged in building the kingdom of God. It's not a box that we check. It's a life that we live. Years ago, um, for, my, for my birthday, we went down to Chicago, and uh, we were really big into uh, adventure racing at the time. And there was a big, big name in adventure racing going to be, be there, um, Ian, Ian Adamson, and we were super excited to go meet this guy. And so we, we kind of went down there, and, and we're sitting down in a room, maybe about half this size, listening to this guy who's just won all of these races and holds all these records, and we're like... Um, he, he talks for a while, and then we got to ask some questions. And, and one, one person jumps up and like, I, I got a question. And, and their question was this. They said, um, how much do you train? He's like, what does your training, how, how much do you train? How often do you train? And what does your training look like? 
And, and Ian's up there, and he kind of just, just kind of laughs a little bit. And he's like, oh, um, he, he's like, I, I don't train. He's like, this is a lifestyle that I live. Um, just, just to give you a little bit of background, he would be doing um, and was involved in multi-day races. So they would race um, nonstop for 36, 48, 72 hours. And they would run all over continents and, and climb up uh, mountains and kayak thousands of miles and open ocean. And, and this, is, this is what they were training to do. And he's like, I don't train. This is a lifestyle. He's like, you cannot separate because it's a part of me. In order to do what I do, it's something that I have to do. I, I just live this every day. This is what I do. It's, it's just all the time. He says, and then he said this, he goes, if you take more than 14 days off, he's like, you're going backwards. He goes, you cannot pause for more than 14 days without going backwards. I remember just sitting there and I was like, I think that kind of applies to Christians too. Like, Christianity is not something you're like, well, well how Christian do I need to be? <laughs> like, like, how many hours do you Christian a week? Like, what's your Christian Christianing look like in the week? Like, do you turn it on? And I was like, well, from this hour to this hour, I like to Christian. And then I, and then I kind of, I, I work and I drive in my car. I'm definitely not a Christian when I drive in my car. And then, and then I come over to this side and I get around my kids. And sometimes I Christian. And sometimes... It's not something that we're meant to separate. But the body of Christ is the church. You are the church. And God's goal for the church is he even gave gifts to the church. He's like, the gift is that they would equip, help you to be equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. That you would know that you have been given spiritual gifts, gifts that God gave you so that you can do certain things well. And that you would, Christian, that you wouldn't see it as like a, a, a kind of step in and out of training but there would be this all-encompassing lifestyle that you're like, God, I want you in everything that I do. And that you pray before you do things because you're like, I want God's direction on what I'm doing. Like, like this is just what it is. One of, one of Bo's friends was talking about um, her mom and was like, well, um, Miss Trina, Bo's seven, some of you know who I'm talking about, uh, said this. She goes, Miss Trina prays about everything. Everything. I mean everything. And I laughed and I laughed and I'm like, yeah, that, that, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to pray. Because if God directs the steps of the righteous... And why don't we ask so he can direct steps? Instead of being like, we're hanging on the edge of something and we're like, okay, I've tried everything else again. I've completely ignored you up until this point again, but now I don't know what to do because I've already tried everything else and God help me. There's nothing else to do to pray, so here we go. 
What if we just assume, no, 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 this is a lifestyle that I live. This is who I am. God, I want you in every area of my life. So there's a decision. God, I'm, I'm in a little question here. What is it you would have me do? And we're thinking, um, I, was, I was working at Res Life years ago, and uh, they put me in charge of, of, of the services and kind of like the flow of service and what was going to happen here and what was going to happen when and, and what, what was supposed to be happening. I remember just kind of looking on paper at the service for the first time, and I'm like, uh, we open service with prayer, and then we're going to sing a song, and then we're going to pray, and then there's going to be another song, and we're going to pray, and then we're going to talk about offering, and then we're going to pray, and then um, the speaker's going to come out, and uh, he usually prays when he opens up, okay, and he's going to pray, um, and then we're going to speak, and then at the end of service, we're going to pray. I remember looking at that and I'm like, we pretty much just pray. And I was like, well, is that because it's the Christian transition? Like, hey, we don't know what to do right here. Everybody bow your heads while everything moves up here so you won't get distracted. But the answer is no. That's not the reason. Because in life, when we transition, in life, when we're moving from one thing to another, what are we meant to do? But we're meant to invite God into those steps. And so what is my prayer that you would do? It's that you would pray. That you would live this out every day. That you would see prayer not as a religious thing that you do, not Christianity as a religious anything, but it's a lifestyle you live every day. And that sometimes you just pray while you're riding in your car. Maybe for you, you're like, is that, is that, am I not devoting enough time? Do I have to be on my knees in a corner in order to do it? Do I need to be face down like sucking rubber? Oh, Jesus, I need you. If, if God tells you to do that, yeah, do that. But if you're, if you're in between, you're vacuuming, you're cleaning up, you're on a job site going from one job site to another job site, and you've got some time in between. It's not any less holy to while you're driving to just pray and be like, God, I need you. God, if there's something I'm missing, will you open up my eyes? God, I just lift up my family. I thank you that you're working on them, that you're leading them. It's not any less holy. You ever seen somebody who's just obsessed with working out? And like all the time, they've always got to do You ever be around them? And you know, that they sit down and instead of just sitting down like normal people sit down, they sit down and they're just, yeah, so what's, they, they got to do some like, some like little crunchy things. Or they sit down instead of just sitting, they, they kind of lift themselves up and start rocking back and forth. They're like, what are you doing? They're like, I'm just working my, they grab a chair while you're talking, start doing some dips. And you're like, can you sit down for a minute? And they're like, well, I'm just, I'm just taking advantage of the time. <laughs> Maybe that was just my experience with these types of people. But anyways, we're meant to not check a box but to live a life. It's a lifestyle that we choose. And I don't know where you are. Maybe for you, much of church, much of being a Christian has simply been going to church. Maybe you've got a Bible, but you've forgotten how to open it. Maybe it's because 
You never think you have enough time or you always want it to be just right, but the conditions are never just right. You sit down, you get the coffee cup, you're about ready, and then the kid does this, the alarm goes off, a delivery shows up, the neighbors blow a firecracker and start burning tires in the backyard. Like, what's going on? And you don't know, like, what am I supposed to do? I I never get the time to do this. Let me just say, choose. Just choose right where you are. If it's driving in the car, that's okay. You can pray. If you're like, I get the time to sit down, and that's how I pray, then that's awesome. But don't make that the only time. The Bible says pray always with all types of prayer. Seek him, ask him. And then when he leads you, here's what you're going to find. When we seek him, we find him. And all of a sudden, it's direction that we're getting that we're like, man, I'm, I've got some clarity that I haven't had before. Jeremiah 29 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. My prayer is that while you're here at Life West, and, and I mean this with all of my heart, I'm, I feel so honored to have even just a small part to play in all the things God wants to do through each and every one of you. Because he's given you special gifts to do certain things well. I pray that you know them. If you don't, then get in that growth track. Get in, we'd love to help you do it. Yeah, we're going to get into it a little bit more, but that does a whole lot more. Know what they are. I pray that you see Christianity not as something religious, a little box that you check, but a lifestyle that you live. That it's so intertwined that we don't have a regiment of, okay, well, now I'm Christian. But instead you say, this is who I am. And in everything I do, I take opportunity. I pray. I'm sitting in that line at the grocery store. Sometimes I just stop and pray and be like, God, is there anything that you need me to say to anybody that's around me? Is there anything that you need me to give to anybody that's around me? I think sometimes we hear stories of how God moves in people's lives and leads them and we think, God, I'd love that. God wants to use you. He has a plan and purpose for your life. What would happen if you just began to pray? If you applied yourself and say, this is my life, not something that I pick up and put down. My prayer is that you would. And you'd watch God change and grow you from the inside out. Man, that's like my introduction. It's time to be done. Before we go, I want to ask like I do every week, because I never want to assume that just because you're here, that you know that your heart is right with God. And if you're here just because you're like, I just want to know more about God, I love that. But my prayer for you is that you would have a personal relationship with him, that you would ask him to forgive you, and that you'd make him your Lord and King. And we do that through prayer. Romans says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, we will be saved. That's inviting Jesus to do the things that only he can do. And then he equips us by his spirit to live a life that we could never without him. It doesn't mean we do it all perfect. 
but we're loved perfectly. And we honor him with what we have. If you're here this morning, you say, today's the day I want to give him my life. Maybe for the first time, or maybe today's the day you go all in. That you decide, this is who I am. I'm going to stop picking it up and putting it down. I'm going to put this on. This is who I am from today forward. If you're either of those, I'd love the honor of praying with you. So if that's you, at the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. And we're going to pray right in your seat. Online, this is YouTube. Get ready. You can lift your hand right there. God sees it, whether I do or not. Get ready. One, two, three. Shoot it up high and say, that's me. I'm giving my life, my all to him this morning. All right. Would you bow your heads? And let's just pray with those online that lifted their hands. Everybody repeat after me. Just say this out loud. If you would, please. Everybody say, Jesus, forgive me and make me new. From now on, I'm yours. With all that I am, I'll serve you. Forgive me and make me new. I believe that you came, that Jesus, you died, you shed your blood so I could be free. And from now on, I'm yours. With all that I am, I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.